Hey, Tim Ferriss here. I'm here to congratulate Hayden and B on an amazing effort. A hundred episodes of In Excess Access All Areas. That's amazing. Well done, you guys. I mean, it's amazing that you could find a hundred episodes of shit to talk about us on, you know? And apparently you got more. <laughs> Blows me away. Anyway, thanks to all those that listen, to all our fans out there. We love you. We love Hayden and B. It's all groovy. Ciao for now. Well, hello and welcome to Inexos Access All Areas. My name is Bee and I will be co-hosting this series of podcasts with my Inexos nerd Hayden Murdoch. We will be delving deep with you all to explore everything there is to know about this iconic band of brothers in excess, sharing music, tours, videos, albums and oh so much more. Well, hello, welcome to Access Access All Areas, episode 100. Hello, B, how are you? How am I? I'm actually in a really bloody good mood today. Don't bugger the normal mission statement. We hit 100. Oh, well yes. done to you. Woo! Yes, we did. I well know. done to the patrons. Well done to the listeners. Well done to the band. Mm. Well done to everybody involved over the last mm. few years. As we try to get them into the Rock Hall of Fame and have a great time. Hello, yeah, B. How are you? I reckon we're going to do this, Hayden. I reckon we're <laughs> going to get them there because every week we're getting so many lovely messages from people. And well, we've we... had a couple of very special oh, messages very today. Special we messages will, we will today. save for later on in the podcast. But yes. uh, I should start off the week, B, by quickly getting to, to, to saying, how has your hundredth in excess week been since the podcast started? Well, let me have a look. It's been a quite an interesting week. Um, I'd like to mention MM, actually. I've been talking yes. to Matthew. Yes. And there's a lot of fake signatures out there on album covers. Yes. Did you see yep. that? So I saw what he posted and I saw mm. his framed kick uh, authenticated uh, album with the, all the signatures and the double sides and everything, you know. <laughs> and just be careful, everybody. When it looks fake, it probably is. And he was saying that a lot of people, a lot of naughty people have been getting um, records and getting the rest of the al- album signed by the um, rest of the um, band and then fudging out Michael's signature, making it fake. So he's like he says, he hates telling people that they're fake, but then people do still buy them. So anyway, mm. be careful. So, yeah. So thank you, Matt. You've been um, amazing this week. And Richard Simpkins as well popped in on that um, as well. Yeah. And um, uh, just let me cut in. Uh, mm-hmm. he, Matthew reminded me via his post that it's 25 uh, years since allegedly wasted in about four weeks' time. Uh, but, yes, I've had a lot of messages today, so I'd just like to say hello to Motley and to Gary Lilly. And, yes, um, we will have you both on to the um, podcast soon and listen to your in excess stories. They are going to be brilliant, I'm sure. Story to story, building to building, street to street, we pass each other Last week we've come off our uh, Canada uh, dive deep and uh, uh, an ode to all of our patrons and listeners over there and, and also just to the, the general success that the band had there, which we sort of really went into quite largely. Um, I know that was sort of episode 99 and uh, it was great to sort of just really explore that market and it sort of had me thinking a bit during the week when we talked about uh, how it was hard for bands, you know, even from Canada to make it in America you know, which makes in excesses achievements in some ways uh, even more merited that they had to go across the Atlantic, you know, across the Pacific or whatever and uh, be able to, you know, get to America and do what they did. And, um, you know, Canada, you know, has had some fantastic bands over the years. There's a band I've been getting into lately that is quite old, but it's a band called The Guess Who. Hmm. Um, and they're the original guys who wrote American Woman. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, a cool tune, uh, yeah. Uh, they, had, they had a lot of hits in Canada, and one of the key songwriters and band members of, of them was a guy called Randy Backman, and he went into ba- Backman Turner Overdrive. And they had, you know, hits like You Ain't Seen Nothing Yet. Oh, you know, yeah. Ain't Seen Nothing Yet. Yeah, And, yeah, and things like Taking Care of Business and things. So, yeah, I think Canada, you know, Bob Rock, who's a very famous producer, was in an early band there, and he went on to produce, you know, Motley Crue and Metallica and things, and, 
you know, Lover Boy and even Glass Tiger. There's, oh, a, there's a little bit of a blast. Yeah. A band called Glass Tiger from 187. So yeah. it was, uh, it sort of uh, stimulated my sort of memory of all things Canada and some of the music that's come out of there. And, and then you look at acting and people like in comedy, like some of the great people on Saturday Night Live, like mm-hmm. you know, Steve Martin and Dan Aykroyd and Jim Carrey and all these sort of, you know, famous comedians, you know, came out of, uh, out of Canada. Mike Myers. Mike Myers, uh, yeah. Yeah, so it's been a very rich country for success. Oh, very, very. And I will, in, in engage, fan engagement, mention some of the Canadian fans that have popped up to say hi, so I'll give them a mention later. Well, uh, it's important to welcome some of the patrons uh, that are with us, uh, whether they're new uh, or uh, more experienced patrons. But over to you, B. I'd like to say hello to everybody outside on the highway. Let's all say hello to everybody outside. It's about 10,000 people at least. Well, hello to Nick Egan. Thank you very much for your message that you sent us. We'll be playing that later on. Uh, other honorary members are Mark Opitz and Cameron Adams and Mary Woods. Our patrons, Sue D, Joe Robbins, Carmen, Laurie, Carrie Ann, Danielle, Sarah Markham, Sarah Camier, Dr. Jim, Katie, Felicia, Lisa Mack, Lisa Calloway, Anne Marie, Susan P, Susan B, Foxy, Pedro, Mandy. Matt, Linda, Yvonne, Caroline, Amanda H, and Amanda V, Leon, David, Tracy, Paul Jolie, Paul Boozy, Paul Bridges, Paul Buckley, Sandrine, Ella, Ryder, Tony, Erica, Abigail, Martin, Stefan, Val, Jim, Matey, Kelly, John, Jackie, Sean, Sheila, Shannon, Helen, Brett, Suzanne, Glenn, Laurel, Bard, Genevieve, Shelby, Manny, Laurie, Jill, Matthew, Laos, Lily, J- Jamie, Heidi, Paula, Lisa, Angie, Michael, Nancy and Juliet. And yes, I nearly lost it there, but I didn't. Welcome to the 100th podcast. This is Nick Egan, better known by you fans as the designer of the Kick, X and Low Baby Live covers, as well as director of the Searching and Don't Lose Your Head videos. Um, Just under two years ago, I was on vacation driving up the central coast of California with my family and I was looking for something to listen to and I came across a podcast which immediately aroused my attention. It had a quirky but professional style to it. It was conversational, there was a lot of humour, and um, I was immediately taken by it and reached out to both Hayden and B and offered myself as an interviewee, of which I did, um, where I talked about the kit cover primarily. And since then, I've appeared on the show on a couple of occasions or a few occasions, and um, I've seen it go from being a relatively localised but popular uh, podcast and becoming a global podcast. So I want to congratulate them on their 100th edition of the podcast. I also wanted to say to you fans out there, if you're not patrons already, please, please sign up, become patrons, because both B and Hayden do this as volunteers. They both have jobs as well as this. They put a lot of dedication into this podcast, a lot of love and a lot of time and effort. And even if you can't afford to become a patron try and contribute in some way because we need podcasts like this we need podcasts that come from the fans that are true to the fans we don't want to sit here corporate band podcasts we want to hear real podcasts from real people anyway congratulations Hayden and B was the lovely Nick Egan. What a lovely things to say about us, Hayden. He's so nice. Absolutely, he's a sweetheart, but he, I think he gave us a bit of confidence when we were starting off. He came in the episodes in the 20s and I remember 
shitting myself the night before that interview, <laughs> Dee. Because I think from memory, were you uh, I was not working. on? You working? That's right. You couldn't. Oh. You were doubtful whether you could be on an, on that thing at the start. So yeah. Uh, and then he was late, and he was like, "Oh yeah, sorry, it was at John uh, Taylor's house." That's right. You know, Duran around. I'm going. Jesus, just add some more pressure to me now. But uh, <laughs> we sort of pressed record, and then he just went for it. <laughs> he just went for it, and I was just hopping into work and coming out again, and then yes. you two are still rubbing on. Excellent. Yes. It was so good. Yes. Um, so, I, I want yeah. to thank him personally, though, because he upped our game with, like, doing the character tours for us, and yes. he helped me produce a few videos. So, Mr Egan, thank you very, very much. And he did a patron chat, didn't he, one time? Is that right? I think, remember? He's done a few, actually, yeah. and he needs to do a few more because I've got he's got some great footage of him and Michael that he wants to talk about. So, yeah. I could see an episode of Michael <laughs> in pictures. I know, yeah. And no reason to become a patron, really, because there's all these goodies. Thank you, Nick. All right, episode 100. Well, we're pretty lucky today because we've got a, a person on who um, I guess will reveal himself as he speaks. So we've got the wonderful Darren Jones coming on to celebrate episode 100 but I would say for, for both of us and at different times he's, he was a real inspiration for us because back in sort of the late 90s after Michael had passed and the band were going through that really difficult period as to what to do Darren was very intrinsically involved in the website you know was good friends and connections with Mary Woods and he really provided a forum along with a couple of other people uh, for in excess news when it was sparingly reported on in the mainstream media. Uh, was able to bring up-to-date content and, and just for fans like me at the time and others around the world, provide a forum where, you know, we could go in and meet and greet and talk and, you know, obviously hear what was going on. So we don't think we're going to get through everything today. We think that there's going to be so many more nuggets we can get him back on for, like a repeat visitor. What do you think? Oh, absolutely. I really do. It's just the respect that he gained from the band as well, just from being fan to actually mm. be a friend. It's a, mm. a lovely journey to listen to. But yeah, personally, he's been great to us too. So yep. it's like the it's like the past meeting in the present, isn't it? In, Correct. in fan engagement, I do Correct. feel. This yes. whole band fandom's a real aid. And he was probably the uh, the pace setter at the start, along with people like MM and others. And uh, we're doing our little bit to carry the torch, yes. uh, the torch relay. <laughs> But I think one of the interesting things, you know, for, for Darren is just the amount of experiences that he has had. And we like to do this for our listeners and, and people is is to take you back into a time and a place that uh, none of us were at or some of us were at uh, and, and some of us dream we were at. So we hope we can capture that sort of magic today. Oh, if only Hayden. <laughs> All right. What's the time for? It's time for the news. <laughs> This is Manny from the UK, and here is the news. All right, B, well, it's time we come to the charts, and I guess there's good and bad news, okay? What would you like first? Mm, bad. Bad news is that the album is three weeks in a row out of the charts. <laughs> oh, so, it's gone, hasn't it? Yeah, I looked up uh, late last night and had a look through there, and unfortunately it is still languishing outside the top 50. So is this a, tr- a trend, a pattern, or a, more of a... a uh, an ongoing sort of uh, theme. Well, you know, listeners can actually influence the outcome of that. So that's mm-hmm. a little bit of the negative, but our podcast, I can say, B, is hit top 10 in Australia this week. So you no, may, not, really? may not know that. And we've gone from, I didn't know. We've gone from 26 to number nine. So thank you to all the Aussie listeners who downloaded. And, thank you, everybody. And around the world, Aww. you know, we thank you always as whatever, but particular thank you to the Aussies this week who made yeah. us proud thank little Aussie Bogans. Wow. Wow. Canada did it for Australia. (laughs) Well, yeah, absolutely. All right. A little bit of news this week. There was a good article on a gentleman called Bernard Fowler, uh, who was one of the guys playing with Michael and and Michael's last ever sort of uh, impromptu gig at the Viper Room in LA. the Viper Rooms. Yes, that's right. Yeah, I think it was a good article. It might have been Danny Sabre, who uh, is friends with Bernard there. And Bernard sort of sung a lot of backup Mm. vocals and things on the Rolling Stones and other bands and things. but. That little impromptu gig where Michael turned up at the Viper Room with uh, mm-hmm. Billy Gibbons from ZZ Top and yeah. Bernard and a couple of others there. Um, I'd love to know somebody who was involved in that and yeah. watch that. That'd well, I think this cool. article's in Rolling Stone and does give a good deep dive there and a couple of little pictures mm-hmm. of Michael sort of up there with the band. Wow. But, uh, I want to give a big, big shout-out to a lot of the gigs around the world this week, B. So Ooh, Okay, I'm ready. Permit me with a few little dates mm-hmm. here. John uh, won't come on our show. Stevens is playing in <laughs> Perth. Now, 
that's his that's his tool manager there or his manager there who knocked you back B. But we we, we have to hunt. She's we lovely, Sash. We, we have well, yeah, we have to hunt John down, get him direct on the show. But he's mm-hmm. uh, he's playing in Perth on April twenty eighth, which uh, is not that far away. They're looking good. His gigs. I've been following him on Twitter and yes, um, Instagram, he, he, and they look really really good fun. Well, the bass player from Noiseworks, John's original band, Steve Balby, popped up the other day in Sydney and played "Take Me Back," uh, which is a big Noiseworks oh, yeah. song there at uh, their concert on the weekend. Well, I'm seeing him on the first. I'm going to, I mean, tell him he's okay, got to come well, on the show. Corner him in a room with a bit of female power, okay? I am. I'm taking the army in with me. Okay. Taking the <laughs> power. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, ladies. I'm cutting that. What are you about? <laughs> there was a TV show called Entourage where these porn stars, they were called <laughs> power, who had, who, who had to intercept the. Uh, a celebrity at a nightclub so it just came out right now hi this is Lori from Chicago in the USA and this is Dom from uh, Parnaca City in the Philippines congratulations, congratulations to, to Hayden and B on 100 episodes all right, uh, the new Sensation Boys are playing on May 27th and 30th. I think also over in Perth as well, which is exciting. Now, B, you got a bit confused the other day. There is really uh, yeah. Well, thanks. <laughs> there was in excessive who were playing in two places at the same time, and it got me confused. I was thinking, how do they do this? Because one was in sort of Victoria and one was in New South Wales, but then oh. it hit me. There's the two in excessive <laughs> tribute bands. So mm-hmm. I think Inexcessive Sydney are playing in uh, playing on June 18th in Cronulla, and then the Inexcessive Victorian guys are playing June 18th in Maryborough in the country area in Ballarat. Oh, nice. But in, nice area. Yeah. But in the USA, there is going to be, say, on October 29th, which is a fair way away, uh, the tri- Inexcess tribute band over there are going to be playing in Milwaukee, uh, which is very, very exciting at uh, that time of year. And the Live Baby Lift guys, they're going to be playing on April 2nd in Bankstown. Uh, in New South Wales or Sydney. And then the Australian In Excess show playing May 21st uh, in the town of Carnival, uh, not Brazil. I think it's a, a pub venue, et cetera, there in New South Wales, I believe. And that's happening on May 21st. So there's lots of things happening around the world, B. So uh, t- type In Excess tribute band into your search engine. You never know. They could be in your town very soon. Mm-hmm. All right. I really think it'd be really good if we could do some sort of virtual gig with all these um, tribute bands. What do you think, Hayden? We could, have, we could have a band off like Zoolander, couldn't we? Yeah, like <laughs> like our final episode could be a gig with all these. Um, Imagine this, they're doing it. Show me you never tear us apart. Bullshit. I'll show you what you do. <laughs> we'll do a review on them. Ooh, oh, bullshit. You need me. Too. You need me. You need me tonight. You know. Imagine that. <laughs> Congratulations, Hayden and B, on 100 episodes. I've been there since the start. I've listened to every single episode, and you never fail to put a smile on my face when I'm listening to you, whatever I'm doing at the time. Love you all. Hope there's another 100 plus more episodes to go. Love, Carmen from Wollongong, Australia. Now, interesting one. Uh, it feels like I'm talking about the show Euphoria every week. We talked a bit about the, the tracks that were there last week and all the streaming success. Uh, I, I, this is an interesting one, interesting one, B. I don't know if you mentioned this the other week, but uh, a couple of fans of the show noticed in one of the episodes there where I think part of the series they go up to a jukebox in one of the episodes yes. and they flip, I watched it last they flick night. over the albums and then it's a, it's a fake kick album cover, isn't it? Oh, yeah, there's a few things that It's not actually the scene. real band, but it could be licensing, no. co- licensing copyright or whatever there. So... Uh, a very clever fan posted that and went viral around the world about it's not quite Michael, it's not quite the real kick uh, album cover. Can, can I elaborate for you? Please do, you what please really do, is. yeah. Okay. So there was um, a, a young man and he was watching it with his um, girlfriend at the time and he's an in excess fan and he sort of thought, hey, that's not the real kick album. And then they focused in and then they realised it was him. It was his photo. Right. It was him that he had he'd done a stock photo five years ago and put it into some sort of like, you know, shutter stock or something. And they had lifted that picture. And what he finds funny is that he doesn't even think he looks like <laughs> and they've used it. But, yeah, it's quite interesting, isn't it? Because I was reading an article saying, well, why, you know, if, if an excess of obviously allowed them to use their music, 
why haven't they allowed them to use their image of the of the photo? And some of them are saying that you know there's copyright lapses, so that album's 35 years old, so you know they can put any footage in or whatever. But uh, uh, yeah, I mean, sure. never quite know the thing. But maybe we can get the uh, director or producer mm. of the show on one day, and we can find out. Mm. Yeah, he's quite young, isn't he? I looked him up as well. I tell, I tell you, you could tell us the answer to that. Probably Philip Morlock. Oh yeah, he, mm. he'd know. But but going on with that trailer. It's quite interesting. It was a bit of a boy love thing that was going on. They, it was. Mm. I, I haven't watched the show. I have no idea what it's about. Yeah, so it's all about these two boys and that their love for in excess music by the sounds of it, and um, they just were never apart. So there was the never tear us apart part to it, oh. and then they all they start dancing and getting a bit close and a bit. Mm. Okay, fair enough. Oh. Yeah. Hello, hello, ladies. Congrats. Be and Hayden on 100 episodes. We look forward each and every week to listen to you guys. Thank you so much for all you do. Love, Danielle. Angel. Well, B, that's the news of the week. Is that it? Yeah. Really? Add some more. I found one more little thing, B. Totally 80s, a good publication sort of online if you punch it in your search engine. There's a good article on Don't Change that revisits the uh, the timelessness of that song and just how it's evolved in, uh, I guess, as we've said, in uh, uh, mystique and, and favourability over time. But uh, totally 80s, press the article, don't change, or search engine, don't change, and you will see a great deep dive on the Shabu Shabar track. But uh, that's it for News of the Week, B. We've got a little bit more I've saved for next week, but uh, that's it. Hayden and B, 100 shows. That is amazing. How can you find enough information about NXS to do 100 shows? I'll never know so much passion and so much dedication and we love you for it and also we love all your loyal listeners thank you so much to everyone Uh, 100 shows let's go for another 100 thanks guys so much keep it up Well, thank you, Kirk, for those very, very kind words. We did respond, I think, to him today on email and said, yes, we'll, we've got another 100 up our sleeves. <laughs> yeah. Uh, rest not. We're just getting started, Kirk, but uh, we, we can find in excess material in anything, can't we, Be? Yeah, and look out, everybody, because Kirk actually did a video for us, so we'll be posting that video as well for you all to see. Yes. What a great man. Thank you very much, Kirk. And he's so organised, isn't he, as a person? You can always figure it out, can't you? Just like yeah. how he probably yeah. kept the band in order and shape and was a rock. You know, yeah, they they all had a piece to do, didn't they? Yeah. And um, that was his the organization. Whereas um, Tim was the well, come on, listen to my band, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but yeah, so that was really nice. And the fact that you know, he looks so handsome, he's so handsome, is that Kurt? And uh, he's there early in the morning, they did that for us. So, yeah. and, and thank you to Lane because she obviously took the blooming video for us, <laughs> right? Okay, well, you, you see things that I don't see, so thank you, Lane. Hi, this is Felicia from Everett, Washington, USA. You're listening to NXS Access All Areas with Hayden and B, and it's time for the topic of the week. Okay, we have the gorgeous Darren Jones in the house. I would like to welcome you to the NXS Access All Areas podcast. Thank you. We'd like to introduce Darren and we're going to get a bit of a, a dive deep scenario happening. And I think also he will probably be our next honorary patron to the group because this is not a one episode job, this type I of I don't interview. even so- know why you're asking me, Hayden. He's already <laughs> in the door. All right. I'm going to let Darren introduce himself in a moment. But what I would say, if I could just say a bit of a thank you to Darren to kick things off. Darren uh, was very, very helpful in my NXS fandom life when there was not a lot of material out there. There was a lot of negativity, actually, when there was material out there in the general media. My first incarnation of knowing who Darren was was that he put a website together, uh, I would say, at the very infancy and the dawn of websites in the late 90s and really helped, I guess, uh, fans across the world interact in many, many forums and we had a little bit of a chat last week, Darren, didn't we? A little about that website and we will get to it. But I guess what I wanted to start things off with was how did NXS enter your world? And tell us about the early mm. days of you knowing about the band. Good question. Oh, how far do you go back? I mean, it's being handed a cassette tape of the swing, essentially. Mum and Dad's uh, good friends, they had a daughter and she handed it to me and said, you might want to listen to this. And it's basically been that love affair ever since. And, it's, it's, it, and other fans can appreciate the level it goes to. It's not... These guys aren't, and the music isn't just normal. It's just, it becomes obsessive. It gets entrenched into your DNA. 
and you're stuck with this stuff for life. You just can't get it out of your system. So um, it's been there since uh, 84, basically. Yeah. You might know of the original sin. Might know how to be with fire, but did you know of the murder committed in the name of love? Yeah, you thought what a pity. Uh, I guess from those sort of early days there, uh, to think that you had a chance to go on, as we will hear, you know, to get to meet the band and have a, a very significant involvement with them, uh, must uh, in some ways pinch yourself a little bit about fandom turned into meeting the band. I um, make no secret that uh, it's it's humbling, but also something I'm very proud of. And I guess looking back, for an individual to come through life, growing up through those young years and becoming an adult, to um, actually live and experience your dream and all of a sudden become you know, substantial reality to the point where you get to, to know these guys personal level and you, be, you sort of become part of the inner circle. It's quite surreal to begin with. I'm appreciative for every moment that I've had and hopefully have in the future. I value these, these boys' contribution, not just to Australian music, world music, but just to um, their, their dedication to their fans and the way that they've always managed to maintain that uh, that gap, that that short bridge between band and fan, and I guess that's where I sort of fell in that that small crack in between to make sure that was developed over the years once the website kicked off. You obviously grew up. What city in Australia did you grow up in? Oh, I grew up in Sydney. Yeah. Essentially yeah. the home of the band. I know obviously Perth will claim it, but uh, I guess yeah. it's where everything kicked off, uh, <laughs> pardon the pun. But becoming a fan and listening to that particular tape, when was the first chance you got to see them live? Um, on the kick tour, basically old enough to be able to go then. So I, I grew up in Western Sydney at Penrith. So getting into Sydney on the train from Penrith to go to the entertainment centre was, was quite an effort. It was a big deal. It's not so much these days, but it was a big effort back then. And I think yeah. by that stage, I was about 17. So yeah, got the approval from the parents and that's where it all started. Yeah. Did you just do the one gig you went to, I guess, as a young guy? You probably, I mean, you know, it was probably what our budgets afforded us to do. I mean, uh, it probably changed over time. Yeah, just Sydney. I think most of the concerts I went to during that middle to late um, 80s was always at the Sydney Entertainment Centre. And, and was there like a little gang of you or were you uh, individual singing the praises of In In Excess? There was definitely a few guys that I was close to in high school had uh, definitely jumped on the bandwagon by then for sure. And there was a group of us. I just remember going to the merch stand outside and buying one of everything on my way out. Those old, those black, <laughs> terrible black shorts that they sold with, you know, <laughs> oh, the whole lot, yeah, one of everything. So, which for a big, for me as a kid and you know, from a very modest yeah. sort of yeah. low middle income family with dad as a truck driver, uh, you know, you worked hard back then for what you had. And, yeah. um, and I was, you know, still carry that through life that you, yeah. You might not own very much, but what you've yeah. got, you look after. And, and I was like that back then. So for me to be able to even buy that stuff back then was quite significant mm. to be able to save that sort of money as a kid. And again, that period, you know, we're thinking around, say, when they got back to tour, I think it was around late 88, uh, they'd probably come off the world tour, it was sort of the homecoming. It was a real victory lap for them in that particular tour. They were on that show, The Comedy yeah, Company, if you remember God. back then, yeah. uh, Darren. But even the most ardent critic, I think, had jumped on board by then and every band has that moment in the sun and I guess they were, you know, really doing a big victory lap of Australia, having conquered the world. And it was tough times, you know. I mean, there was the, the growth of the 80s, but there was also the tough part of the 80s where as kids, you know, we didn't always have hmm. a lot of disposable no. income, you know. It's basically, I remember working at Kmart for about $4 an hour and I don't even know who bought the ticket <laughs> to go to the concert for me, whether I did or not. But, I mean, essentially, I think tickets back then were about 20 bucks or something anyway. 
So it was all relative. But that was, you know, probably worth 100 these days. And I guess evolving from sort of the fandom side, uh, as I alluded to earlier, you know, Darren's sort of very pivotal guy, you know, in knowing the band and getting the website up and running. Tell us the transition from fandom to that stepping stone to meeting the band and then building a relationship with them. I guess if you go back before inexcess.com even existed, we all know the first incarnation of that is basically a a record company put together to promote Everything Wasted. So, but before that, in the very infancy, there was, um, I believe, part of uh, around the world, I was part of probably three major sites that that started uh, as fan sites. And mine was called Always in Excess. Mine was more content orientated about gathering tour dates and, and diving back into a bit of the, the history stuff and the fact stuff. And then obviously you had uh, Neil Cathari, I mean, Neil Evans, US, and he had um, an excess of in excess. His website was called him. And he was a bit more news orientated and, and stuff like that, and sent out newsletters and things like that. So, and back then, toying around with the email newsletter, you, you would get occasionally. Um, email was all new. The internet was all new. I think mm-hmm. I remember putting the website together back then with a program called Dreamweaver and something else very basic, mm-hmm. but it was revolutionary. I mean, all of a sudden, you, you know, I'm getting emails from people in uh, God knows where in South America and stuff, and all of a sudden you start to realise you start to connect the, you know, through this this vehicle. You, you start to talk to people that are like-minded like you and obsessed and passionate and driven by the music um, and influencing your life, but they're part of a completely different culture on the other side of the wall, but you had something in common uh, that was very, very meaningful and, and and, and important to you personally. So it was great to connect to all these people and that only group. Obviously, they knew about Neil's site. They knew about my site. Uh, obviously, when uh, when Michael passed, um, even even through my website, which was just a, a fan site, the day Michael died, I, I remember the next day checking my email and having three and a half thousand emails sitting there from people that just wrote from all over the world because there was no official yeah. channel. They just obviously have Googled in excess. Mm. Neil's mine and mate, I think I remember there being a South American website as well. We we must we must have all just got inundated. Well no, there was no Facebook or social media really, was there? I remember most of the time yeah. if you wanted copies of stuff, even colour photocopies of like one of the guys like a photo, you had to go to Kmart or something and have them colour mm-hmm. photocopy it for you, two dollars a hit. And that's how backward technology yeah. was back then. Yeah. So I'm just Internet and, and really first learning how to use the internet, internet was your site. And I was there another one called inaccess.web.com? Uh, was that Neil's or was that someone else? I think it was inaccessweb in one word.com. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I do right, remember okay. that now. Yeah, yeah, but I remember it was sort of back then we were dealing with uh very, very slow internet speed yeah. times and yeah, uh, 28.8 yes, yeah. <laughs> dial up. I remember sitting in a cafe, waiting 30 seconds for a page to roll over, and you know. <laughs> yeah. And if it rolled over in 10 seconds, we're like, oh, well, that was quick, you know. Um, (laughs) God, the youngsters these days don't know what it was about. But um, I guess uh, tell us a bit about, you know, the process to which the website came about and you deciding to do it. Um, I guess that then lent itself to meeting the band. Yeah, absolutely. I got to to know Mary, uh, Mary Woods, through a process whereby she was doing those fan kits that we all know and love back in the late 90s. And I ended up telling her that I um, I had these biographies in a folder that I'd written that had been sitting there for years. It was a 
unfinished project in a in a folder that I had two brief conversations uh, outside the entertainment centre with Chris Murphy about was why the website, the always in excess, was was content and history driven because it came from my passion to try and collate with the resources we have today. The ability to collate information and, and whatever is very easy. Back then, to mm. track down information on when singles were released and stuff, it was just very hard. Mm. So mm. I had all this yeah. information at my hands that I'd spent years researching. So essentially, um, I just approached Mary and she said, we're doing the, the fan kits and uh, we, we produced the All Juiced Up magazine that's inside them. And so the biographies in that magazine uh, were written by me. That's a good crossover. Yeah, isn't so it? Mary and I got to become good friends, and yeah, you know, I love Mary to bits, and I, and I owe her a lot for giving me an opportunity that probably wouldn't have presented itself if it wasn't for her. So I am eternally grateful to Mary. Mary, Mary, you're on my mind. Folks gone and the through after those fan kits sort of came out obviously after Michael uh, the website just sitting there um, it was just a chance meeting and I'm sure Mary will remember uh, both of us her being in uh, San Francisco at the time and me in Sydney we chatted oh, a matter of days before I left for Paris and um, that was in May of 99 by a billion to one chance she was in going to be in Paris at the same time I just went Really? So, and obviously no mobile phones, no you know, internet and stuff either. Yeah. We had to hand write down what hotel she was staying at and <laughs> said, right, on this day at this time, I'll be out front. And that's, and that's how we mad, met. That's isn't yeah. it? Like you say, a billion to one chance that you're say, in the same city yeah. on the same weekend. On the completely opposite side of the world. Um, it was amazing. And we spent a couple of days together. I remember we went to Versailles together up to Louis XIV's palace and we spent oh, the day lovely. up there. Um, and we yeah. had a couple of beautiful meals and I remember finding an underground jazz cabin with her. Um, funny the stuff that you remember. Um, we sat down yeah. under this this bar, had a set of stairs underneath and it was an open sort of just rock cavern with wooden benches and we sat there and watched a jazz band. It was amazing. Oh, cool. Yeah. But, cool. I mean, very young from that point, Paris, uh, I went to, the, went to the States, but Mary flew to Sydney from Paris. She was basically on her way down under to be part of the uh, Stadium Australia uh, with Terence Trent Darby, um, and Terence did those six songs. So Mary was there, and I, I think, in short, basically, you know, looking to move uh, the juggernaut forward was Mary just said to Tim, or Mary will stand me uh, correct if I'm wrong on that, but I think essentially it came down to just get bloody Darren to do the website. And they just went, yeah, for sure. Oh, fantastic. So it was Mary that actually introduced you to the boys. Well, connected the dots, yeah. And um, that's how it began. I got back from uh, North America in the August and um, started talking to them not long after that. And, and away we went. You've got a very good connection with them. They trusted you a lot. Yeah. Why would they trust you, though? Why? Why? What know. did you do to get nothing, in that? Nothing job? to do with being a policeman, I'm sure. 
<laughs> was that you in the elegantly wasted clip with the helmet no, on? Was that I you? Hope not. Yeah. No. no, I hope not. So look, I, so I guess from there, when you started off, I guess the website happened through a little bit of happenstance and passion and, and meeting, and probably, as I said, being a, a trusted sort of you know uh, ally mm. there. Uh, what was your sort of your goal when you set out to do it? How did it evolve over time with technology improving? Give some uh, insight on that. I guess at the start, you didn't know what the technology was going to do or how it was going to improve. You're, you're trying to get past dial-up speeds, essentially. So we, we were very lucky that uh, we formed a partnership with Chaos Music. Some might remember Chaos in Sydney. They had offices there up on uh, Claridge Street, I think, or something. But um, they're essentially uh, an online music portal, and they're one of the first to be able to offer musical downloads and MP3s and things like that. So they had the server the storage and the ability to, to host the site. And that's where the first incarnation of NXS.com when we redesigned it um, was hosted at. So, and, you know, chaos involvement was basically the catalog, the voice, uh, the, all the albums were there and you were able to download them as MP3s for I don't know, 49 cents or something ridiculous. Um, and it was basically the first yeah. time you know, the music was ever made available online, which was a really cool Ooh. little sort of stepping Stone. I believe what we did with inexcess.com and what the boys did um, and let me do was, if you're looking back, it's, it was we pioneered a lot of that stuff. We pioneered forward yeah. musical downloads. I mean, even uh, streaming John Stevens' second concert at the Metro, we, we streamed that in three parts over a course of mm. a month or six weeks. That was revolutionary. It might seem simple now, but back then it was basically zero budget, three cameras, and hope to hell it bloody turns out. You know, and, that, yeah. and this was literally, I think, the second time he played with them, wasn't he? he played yeah, in Melbourne after the, uh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. No, well, after the Tim yeah. Rice thing, and then then did the second gig up there in Sydney, yeah. of which he filmed that one. Yeah. yeah. So um, I got yeah. that on VHS tapes. So you hired a <laughs> camera equipment like um, um, uh, Richard Simpkin did. No, no. Essentially, Chaos Music um, had the equipment, um, oh, and the right, fellas, okay. Jeff, Jeff, and the fellas there. We all just said, "There, come on, we'll have a go at this." And I remember a roving camera down in the pit at the front. We had a set one at the back in the centre to capture the stage from uh, centre back, and then we had one from the side. So we actually had three angles, and that was it. But it, it, it was something now, if you watch it, it's kind of cool that, it, that we actually captured that. It's more just that we captured that moment in time. his name on it so <laughs> the, the uh the mystery man matthew he's a he's a great fellow we make it a bit more global it wasn't an australian based thing we had it broken up that uh, i produced the website from the background for the back end as far as content news and and whatever we did but then you had matthew as the australian correspondent dan the man jones over in america and nathan hole in the uk who were the australian uk and american correspondents and so Alternatively, weeks as weeks go, one week Matthew would send some content and Dan used to do amazing stories, send all the info through and I'd have to decipher what he's written, the images that were attached, mm -hmm. and then there was these 
pages of emails describing what picture went with what text on what side of the page with a book. And it was just, yeah, it took, oh, it took a lot of work. It's uh, something that, that's a lot of work, yeah, but it was yeah. very cool. Well done, you. Yeah, oh, that was my good. Goodness. And Dan used to have some great stuff. He, he, mm. he'd basically do what you guys do with a deep dive on stuff, and he would deep dive on video clips or. Um, certain songs and basically identical to what you guys do on podcast through audio, he would do in yeah. that format in a in story sort of a version. Cool. Now, we are recording this and we will, for the sake of the listeners, be declare that it is actually on the 28th of March today, oh, yes. mm-hmm. which uh, I guess is a Tuesday. But the, the person you mentioned before, MM, Matthew Marsden, did put a, a great little post out today here in Australia and then we've added it into our platforms and things that it's 30 years today since the concert for life. Oh, it is, yes. Literally today. Very, very special concert for me. Um, I, was in, I was in the front row. There, yeah. there, there's, there's a handle. I bet to say, I bet you were there. In the front, <laughs> in the very front row. Go for it. It's funny, I've still got it framed and up on the wall um, in my office. The, mm-hmm. the Manly Express or the Daily Express from Manly uh, did a, a feature on the, on the day uh, in their newspaper the following week and it was on their front page and here's a, a panoramic shot of the front row of the crowd from the stage and I looked at it and everyone in the front row is looking at the band, and here I am looking at the very person who took the photo when I, and I was 18 oh, years old. I'll have to send oh, you the cool. photo. It's magnificent. But uh, yeah, that, was, that was an amazing day. <laughs> Just that moment in time when she hit, you clicked that camera, um, I was mm, looking straight at them. Well, tell, tell us a bit about the concert. We, I mean, we did a, uh, a deep dive on it, you know, maybe sort of 10, 12 yeah. weeks ago uh, to the best of our abilities and uh, not knowing you uh, at all then yeah. uh, like we do now. Uh, but you were actually there at the concert and we did get some interaction for those who were there. I had a couple of buddies who wanted me to go up to it on the train from yeah. Melbourne. We had no Virgin Airlines in no. those days and cheap flights. <laughs> my, my only legacy for that gig is they brought me back a T-shirt, yes. a small size, that after two washes, it was a, a extra okay, small. Yes, yes, true story. Um, but far, the, far be it for me to uh, insert myself. Over to you. Tell us about the day and the gig and everything you enjoyed about it. Just the lineup to start with Australian music, uh, to take away the cause yep. and, and whatever. And I guess travelling on the train from Penrith, uh, getting off at Central, the walk up to Centennial Park was, was lengthy. And this was all done, I think, by 5.30 in the morning so that we could line up at, oh. at the very side, one of the gates anyway, at the very front. So... I think um, I, I went on my own. I basically tracked that on my own, got through the gate and, and made my way in. Without any great sort of uh, rush, I, I managed to get in and, and camp myself up the front from about 8.30 in the morning. Um, I think yeah. the gates opened fairly early. That's what you had yeah. to do to get front you row. Did. Though, really. yeah, you earned yeah. that spot yeah. and you never gave it up to, to yes. blood or, or yeah. sweat. You know, um, <laughs> yeah. I, I remember <laughs> a few things that it was very, very hot. By the time the boys come on stage, it was about six o'clock and Crowded House had just been on and Crowded House was just fantastic. Um, and they really, really had the, the crowd in a good mood. So when the boys hit the stage, there was a slight mist. I just remember the heat penetrating off the first 10 or 12 rows was just producing this steam, so that it was actually just a whole mist across the front, which none of the uh, none of the photographs really reflected. If you want to see any of the photos, yeah. it doesn't really show that. A lot of girls yeah. getting yeah. pulled out of the front row were just completely exhausted by 6 p.m. So cool. I, I, I yeah. remember at yeah. one point this girl was struggling, and I grabbed her and put her in front of me, and I held the barrier and created like a space for her to breathe. And yeah. So and she was so thankful, and she got to stay and see the end of the concert because I was able to you know, save one anyway. So Take <laughs> yeah, save one. You were the, jo- you were the jaws of life, yeah. Though, Derek. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I stood. Uh, I remember standing in front of Kirk. Um, it was a rare thing for me to do that because for me, uh, no offence, KP. Um, my my usual position <laughs> was in front of Tim. So yeah. um, and. So you were you were right side yeah, up, were you? Yeah, right, right, right front. Yeah. So, but I, I was a stroke yeah. of genius, not knowing that doing that. There was only one time during the whole concert that Michael came down to the very front row uh, to do the interactions sort of part, um, and it was right in front of me. So where he came down in the front, that's where I was standing. So it was very, very 
good luck, but I did that. Yeah. yeah. It was probably his most flamboyant outfit that he ever wore in the sense he came out in a bit of like the Elvis sort of jumpsuit. Yeah, thing. it was all white. Um, just remember the one black mark from rubbing against something. I always remember the black black mark. <laughs> from, he must have brushed against something and sort of just ruined the whole look. <laughs> but, um, no, I thought they all looked great in the white. I remember before Never Tear Us Apart studying, but, oh, I think it was Never Tear Us Apart was the first song where the orchestra came in. Um, not forgetting the track listing for a minute, but sort of... I think that and Baby Don't Cry were the last two yeah, of the night, I think, weren't they? I think they were involved yeah. in a little bit more than just the two songs. I can't remember. But I do remember them right. filing in and around the back of the stage, sort of above the band. And other bands came on, didn't they, towards the end of one of the songs? Is that right, or...? Maybe some. Maybe it was a bit of a sing along at the yeah, end. I think. I think they maybe all came out. I, I, yeah. I don't know if it was good times or possibly it was good times. Now I haven't but, heard the soundtrack. They did have Australian Australian made a lot. I think they came out of good times at the yeah. end. But uh, yeah. I can't um, remember now. But look, it's. I guess. I guess the the, the the fact that we're querying a little bit is that that there's not a lot of footage of the concert. No. There's a few sort of cameras on the side of the yeah. stage and it was post-Wembley and mm. I guess it was quite an impromptu decision to run it at all. Mm. But, yeah, there's not a lot of great footage. It was filmed. It's just around It was filmed. Yeah. And if my memory serves me right, the reason there isn't much footage around is because the footage was lost in the fire. Oh. Right. Because um, a lot of it was filmed seemingly on the side of the stage yeah. and then a yeah. bit on the stage, but you don't see a lot of front-on mm. footage of it, no. do you? I do specifically right. remember them saying that the reason the footage is not really existing is because of a fire um, in one of the storage areas uh-huh. where that footage was held and it was lost. Um, I'd love to hear yeah. one of the boys confirm that. Did say on the podcast we had with him that there's a bunch of stuff out in a, in a storage unit yeah. out in Penrith, I think, and uh, in the Blue Mountains. Yeah, yeah, no? it is. Um, there's so much stuff. There's so much stuff. Yeah, we never know what you find out there. We might be able to unearth something that's uh, going to be a collector's yeah. item, or it could be reproduced. You just never know these days. Look what the the Beatles documentary came up yeah, with with all that exactly. footage, you know, that, that uh, was restored to uh, you know fantastic quality. Yeah, you just mm-hmm. used to, I just remembered. With, uh, with their ex-manager, um, some, some mornings you go, come on, we're going to go to the locker. And that was down at, uh, yeah. uh, down at Kennards. We, I just remember one day going there for whatever reason just to go and find something and, you know, oh, have a look in that box. And you're sort of just opening boxes up. <laughs> and I opened this box up and I pulled out this pair of jeans and it took me about five seconds to go, oh, shit, I'm just holding Michael's Wembley jeans in my hands. And I went, I better <laughs> fold them back up again, you know, so put them back in a yeah. box and, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's just um, it's a strange. And they, were, um, and they were tiny, is that right? Yeah, you said? yeah, yeah. They weren't, they weren't, uh, they weren't my size anyway. <laughs> <laughs> they, had enough, they, had, they had a big front area at the front there, B, just to. Uh, I'm yeah. sure. Did yeah. they have a little black mark on them? <laughs> did you? Did you guys go on the? Uh, I, I mean, I'm surely I'm the only one who's done that with those jeans. I fell in love with them when I saw that concert '91. I, I, I wore out the first three eight VH test tape tapes of that, <laughs> but I, I looked everywhere around the world for those jeans and. I couldn't find anyone that made them, so they had to have been specially made. But yeah, we, ha- we know who made them, don't we, Dee? Remember Tim mentioned about the, the the gentleman who helped make a lot of the clothes for the gig. Yeah, his name's Morrison, yeah. wasn't it? But I can't remember what his first name was. But Pete, yeah, was it Pete? Peter Morrison? That's right. Yeah. That is right. Yeah. yeah. Who we want to get on the show, but. I'm sure maybe you could do a vintage collection here for... Uh, yeah, <laughs> oh, it'd be nice. I'm sure there's a few people that would like some clothes made by him, actually. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah I, I mean, that um, Keith Lemon's got a pair of uh, Michael's trousers made up from somebody. Might be him. Well, yeah, Tim suggested we speak to Pete at some point, so hopefully we can. Mm. All right, now just getting the time timelines right yeah. a little bit, I, I guess, I think, I, if, correct me if I'm wrong, you mentioned that they would on the launch of Elegantly Wasted, they were doing something with a website type thing. Is that right? Yeah. That acted as a little bit of an inspiration, which I guess when you got involved was post-Michael passing. Mm-hmm. Is that the timelines I've got yeah, right there? Right. I mean, essentially it just sat there for basically two years from right. from the moment Elegantly Wasted was released. It was just a shell about that album. There was essentially nothing yeah. else on there apart from a couple of pages and, and some artwork and Photographs that just replicated yeah. the cover and and the inserts of um, of the of the album sleeve. So it really did nothing. 
uh, and it just sat there basically till we I took it over and, and we sat down with Chaos and um, developed uh, a proper site that was nav- navigable that included some stuff yeah. that we could make sure that fans could get involved with. So when you got involved in doing this stuff there, were you uh, able to maintain an, an, a job at the same time while you were doing this? This was a labour of love outside work. Yeah. Oh, Explain how you were able to balance that. It was a purely passion job. I loved yeah. it. Probably spent on average 100, 120 hours a month doing it um, on top of yeah. uh, being a police officer. So, which I've retired from yeah. now. For those yeah. of you out there that knew that, I retired about four years ago <laughs> after 25 years. And so, yeah. I basically burnt the candle at both ends for a long time. I uh, wouldn't regret, yeah. don't, wouldn't take back a moment of it. I, I was blessed too in the cops that we were on 12 hour shifts. So, I only essentially worked three days a week anyway. So, I did have a lot of yeah. downtime. And yeah. the boys and the cops were really great because I needed time off to go to do something or. I guess two years after Alley Moon Wasted, so we're talking probably around mid two thousand. Sorry, mid nineteen ninety nine. Is that around sound right to you? We're talking yep. con- that concert up in Sydney at Stadium Australia. I think it was June? around yep. June, July of ninety nine. I, I did frequent that with a couple of friends to see it because we never knew if they were ever going to play yeah. again. I mean, any time right. that they played was sort of like this sort of wow, you know. Mm. Um, that was a big deal for them, I believe. Yeah. yeah. It was a big cathartic fun. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome in excess and their special guest star, Terence Trentani. NXS never really had the opportunity to do a big stadium gig in Australia, but we really wanted to do the show, needed to do the show, to really feel good about ourselves and about the things that we had achieved and what we could achieve. Being asked to open it. A stadium on such a special occasion in Australia. It was just a perfect opportunity for us to get back on the rails. Yeah, it's really kind of weird playing back in the ABC studios. Uh, Michael's big broadie left on his Harley Davidson still over there in the corner. Andrew Farris here. Congratulations to Hayden and B on 100 episodes of In Excess Access All Areas. And we're talking all areas. I uh, just want to say thank you so much to Hayden and B and to all In Excess fans everywhere, all around the world. And I just want to say thank you so much and I hope you're all well. This is Mammy from the UK. This is Lisa Mack from Brisbane, Australia. And this is Felicia from Everett, Washington, USA. And that's a wrap. Wow, B, that's only part one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, we were like sort of kids in a candy store there. and uh, Again. We, yes, yes. <laughs> and Darren's been kind enough to volunteer to come on next week for part two because uh, we've got to broaden the uh, the questions for a whole bunch of other stuff that uh, he has shared uh, with us as bullet points to talk about. So can't wait for part two next week. Yeah, I'll tell you what else. He's been sending me some really cool um, old um, posters that I'll put up for everybody as well. Yep. Really like back in the day when they've, uh, they've ISIS and everyone. Really, really yep. cool. So I'll be pinning those up. But um, what a great episode. It's been really fun listening to all the thank yous from everybody. Well, this brings us to fan engagement, which really it's us sort of saying thank you to these people who thank us. So uh, over to you, B. I'll let you kick it off as you like to do this topic. Well, we came first in with Timmy. I mean, that was Timmy 
Timmy one. I've I've shared Timmy two <laughs> recording with Tim the Farris, patrons. Yes. Um, Tim Ferris, yes. yes, with all the uh, with the patrons because it might be a little bit rude to um, broadcast. But then again, I could put some beeps in that one, couldn't mm-hmm. I? Hate it. Perhaps I might put it on at the end if you listen very closely. Okay, do that. Secret <laughs> um, sealed section. <laughs> of course, we got the gorgeous message from Nick Egan that just brought me to tears when I heard that. So I'm so thankful I could share that one with you. Andrew Ferris, you're the man. Thank you so much, Andrew. And Kirk, oh my goodness, Kirk, thank you. He actually sent us a video. So there's a video going around at the moment if you're on our Facebook or Twitter um, yes. and even on Instagram. So go, go check that out. Kirk taught me how to out. use Dropbox by sending that as well. So thank you, Kirk. Oh, well, there you go. You've taught him a new skill. Yeah. <laughs> and the many, many things Thank yous from everybody, um, and I will name those out in a moment. Great. All right. Well, as I said, we're going to have uh, Darren on next week for part two, and uh, we can, and we did allude to last week, that Full Moon Dirty Hearts is coming, but we had so much material and things to go through. We uh, have already recorded that, haven't we, B? We can let listeners know we've already <laughs> recorded the Full Moon Dirty Hearts. Well, episode. half. Come well, on, half Hayden. Of it, yes. yes. Um, but we will be going deep dive on that, and we do believe that Mark Opitz has agreed to come on after our review episode <laughs> to talk about it, talk about the production side and everything there, as he did with Welcome. So can't wait for that. Brilliant. And it, it was so sad. Well, it's yeah, very sad that it's absolutely peeing it down here. Um, I'm in the middle of floods and everything. So Motley couldn't join me. He had to take the back road oh, okay. through Tamworth. So safe journey to Motley. I hope you got there. Oh, my God. I forgot. It's a big, important birthday this week. It was on Friday and yes. it was Buffy, as in Bethany and Ferris's birthday. Yes, and we did we mention Andrew as well? We did, Ooh. didn't we? Yes, we did. We did, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to do the reprise. Uh, <laughs> happy birthday, Buffy. Uh, now, competitions. We did allude to earlier that uh, thankfully and gratefully we accept uh, the con- contribution from Darren, which is the decadence stuff. Uh, how are we tracking with that competition, B? Well, I'd like to tell everybody to go to the website because everything, all the information is on there and you can click a nice little button that I made and that will take you straight to the email so you can email your um, your entry. So what we need you to do is listen to episodes 93, 4, 5, 6 and 7. Listen right to the very end and you need to let us know the artist and the title of each song that we play out in. And then you will win the prize. Can you remember what the prize is, Hayden? Decadence. Decadence. It's the cassette of Decadence, one of six of the, yep. re- of the recordings of yes. Decadence. This one has got a cute little sticker on it to say that it's got the bonus track of um, Jackson on there as well. And we've got the little tape machine, is that right? Oh, no, I bought a little tape machine to go with it. Yeah, it's very <laughs> Explain cute. to the millennials what a tape machine is. Yes, it's very 80s looking, isn't it, actually? It's got that mauve look into it. Yeah. So the tape machine will actually, you insert your little tape and then you can press play. Please don't press record over this tape, although I think it'll let you anyway. Uh, and, yeah, you can listen. And also you can record your tape. So if you've got a load of tapes, you'll be able to record them too. Absolutely. Good luck, everybody. And thank you to everybody that's already entered as well, because we will be drawing this. So it doesn't matter how many people enter from now until then. It's not the first person. It will be a draw on the day. I had to come up with a, a song that uh, we both uh, agreed on. So we have had consultation about this. So this is a, probably a joint initiative, I guess. Uh, we want to have a song that is celebratory in nature, something that reflects the 100 episodes, hopefully the spirit of what we've done and what we continue to do. Uh, so we're going to go out today with a real celebratory song. Hello, mobile phone. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to go out with a real celebratory song today that lyrically uh, probably reflects our journey along the way. Truly does. But atmosphere and vibe and everything there, yep. uh, it sums up what we're trying to do and what we're going to keep doing with all of we, you lovely people. We ain't people. going anywhere, are we, Hayden? <laughs> so we're going down to the party and we call all nations to get on get on uh, board and be a part of this uh, juggernaut 
become a patron if you're not. Share share us around around the world. Apparently, we're charting in France, be overnight. I saw, so that's pretty cool. Oh, that's pretty uh, cool. We're 17th on the charts in in in, in France, in uh, France, which is pretty timely because a lot of kick was recorded there. But we're going to call all nations to uh, get online and have a great time and get so down. Everybody, to the party. stand up. Get your headphones on and dance around the room or jog faster. It's a goodbye from me. And it's a goodbye from B. Goodbye, everybody. One, two, three, go. Tim Farris here. I'm here to congratulate Hayden and B on an amazing, incredible, unbelievable 100 fucking episodes. Am I allowed to say fucking? Well, it's too bad because I did. But it's still amazing and incredible. It's fucking amazing. Fucking incredible. Well done. And to all those that listen to those 100 episodes, thank you. And apparently you're going to be listening to more. So thank you again. Wow. 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 Ciao for now. And we think you're fucking amazing as well, Tim Ferriss. Along with Michael, Andrew, Kurt, Nick, John and GGB, you are the absolute bomb. Also want to give a big, massive thank you to Hayden, Carrie Ann, I love you, Laurie, Danielle, you're amazing. Genevieve and Foxy, you are too. Carmen, I love you. Manny, thank you. Lisa, Mac, you're beautiful. And Felicia, thank you very much for helping me get this show together. Love you all. Oh, and John Stevens, you were amazing last night.